Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Good morning. You guys ready? Ready for a sermon? We, uh, uh, in Sunday school today, we were referring back to how uh, in the early church they would uh, preach and read scripture for as long as they had the opportunity to do so. And, and uh, so to help you guys practice that, I'm going to have a six-hour sermon prepared. <laughs> Some of you just looked really scared. I'm, I'm just teasing, but I don't have that. Um, we are going to verge into a new topic in, in the book of Corinthians. Um, we know this because Paul is going to begin this next section. It's going to be chapter 8. He's going to begin this next section with another. Now concerning is what he says. That means he's shifting again into another question that the Corinthians must have asked him. Okay? So we've shifted off. We, had, we spent several weeks on that previous topic. That was a tough one. Right? Headed into another one. If you, if you have any questions about the previous one still, don't ever hesitate. If you still are like, I still don't know about this or that. Obviously, the door is always open to be able to come and ask those questions. But we are going to shift into this new topic with Paul. And so before I do, I'm going to pause and pray. And uh, then we will jump into this passage. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for this day. I thank you for every person that is in this room this morning. Lord, I thank you that they've made it here. I thank you, God, for your word. I pray that you would just help me to be true and consistent to what your word teaches Uh, Lord, I pray that you help us to understand what Paul has written. And uh, God, I pray overall that your spirit would be present, not just in the words I'm saying, but in the the ears that are hearing, uh, receiving your truth. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the new topic now concerning. Overall, we're going to see something kind of interesting. I'm just going to give you a little overview. Chapters 8 through 10, Paul is going to talk about Uh, there's kind of an overriding topic, and it's the topic of idolatry, okay? Um, This may seem like an odd topic to us. Um, I think it was an essential one for them. Uh, I think that there's still places in the world where this idea of idolatry is still obviously very uh, relevant, okay? So we shouldn't have, uh, I've heard it described as geographic snobbery. Does that make sense? Uh, just because we don't have it here, then, well, that's stupid. I'm not going to, no, I mean, that's, that's an issue. There are places in this world today where this is still an issue. And I would argue that uh, based on passages like Ezekiel 14.3, where God talking to the Israelites, who by this time had really kind of put away all these physical idols, God tells them, he says, but you, now you have set up idols in your heart. That's a whole topic, man, we could deal with. In fact, there's been whole books written on this exact topic, idols of the heart. That idolatry ends up being less about some statue set up and more about something else. It has more to do with what I want and what I'm going to do to try to get what I want. But that's a little bit of a different topic than where we're going to go. In fact, this particular topic, we're going to put idolatry on the back shelf because idolatry in this chapter today is kind of like a backdrop. It's kind of like a setting to bring about another point that Paul wants to talk about. So we're going to put that idolatry on the back shelf. It's going to come up, okay? I'm going to address it a little bit, but it's not going to be the main focus today. In fact, this particular chapter as a young Christian, this is one of the first chapters that I became familiar with as a young Christian. I think that anybody that has uh, been around Christians for a long time, 
they know this chapter. They know parts of it. They've referenced it or understood it or heard about it. Um, because this passage, it became well known to me because of, I'm just going to tell you right up front. There was an issue. It's not as much anymore. In fact, I'm going to tell you this issue. And some of you are going to go, I don't understand. It's okay. It, it, it's a silly issue. Okay. Uh, but there's this issue that came up when I was young as a young Christian going to Bible college. And it, man, it was, it was the source of multiple dorm room Christian debates. Okay? I'm talking knock down, drag out. Man, we were debating it up and down. And this became one of those go-to passages in this debate. Now, for those of you that have uh, been familiar with either going to Christian college or you yourself went there, or you know somebody that did, does anybody know what the topic is that I'm talking about? The debates, anybody? That's not the one, but that one also came up. What's that? She said King James Version, like Bible versions. Yes, that's the one. That, that was one, uh, like... For my time period, for, so for those of you that are younger, like, I don't get it. Uh, those of you that are older, you're like, I don't, I don't get it. There's a, there's a small spectrum of us that it was called contemporary Christian music, okay? And there was a shift away from just the hymns in church into some, some new songs. And man, there was, there was a strongly divided crowd on this, this topic, okay? Don't get nervous. That's not the topic I'm talking about today. But this, this, this is connected to it. And so we'd have people, man, on one side, on the other. And so this became the central focus for many of us, this particular chapter, to talk about this always came up because this dealt with it in a roundabout way. Okay? So when I came into this chapter, understand I had a lot of uh, baggage coming into this chapter, like all these previous debates I had had with these people. Okay, so that was all in there. But I set that all aside because I think there's something in here that's truly, truly important that I missed when I was debating, okay? Now, we're going to take a look at it. It's going to introduce this a little bit. We're going to take a look at it. Let's take a look at the first verse. Um, Paul says this. He says, now concerning, okay, so there's his letting us know. He's talking about something that they had written to him about. Now concerning food offered to idols. We know that, and notice uh, the ESV has put this in quotes. We know that uh, all of us possess knowledge. Okay, so this this little quote was something that they had said in reference to this particular topic. So what I'm thinking or believing is that, that as they're writing to him about food offered to idols, at some point, one of them in their letter said, we all have knowledge, right? We all know stuff, Paul. Okay, we all have knowledge. Notice Paul's response. He says this knowledge that you're referring to Puffs up, but love builds up. Now, let's dig into their issue because we're going to be really confused if we don't understand their issue. Okay, So I'm going to go to Charles Erdman. He's an old commentator. Um, talks about this particular issue and why it can be relevant. In fact, if you ever have this idea that the Bible doesn't deal with... Uh, things that are relevant to what I'm going through in life, I mean, you're just absolutely wrong, number one. I think you'd probably know that from the last few weeks, what we've been dealing with. But I think that definitely this is a great example of how, man, this just hits home to things that we actually, as Christians, deal with. Okay? So, 
Charles Urban writes this. He says, some things are approved by all men as right. So all humanity uh, in general, and I think that he's referring to all Christians. So there's some things that, oh, yeah, this is right. Uh, others as universally condemned as wrong. Okay, so let's be extreme on that. So let's go over here. Let's say uh, all over here, uh, stabbing people in the face. Wrong. Do we all agree? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, tripping young innocent toddlers when they walk by and tripping them for fun so they fall down the ground. Bad, right? Is that bad? Now some of you uh, moms I saw going, I don't know. <laughs> My dad was definitely questioning that. <laughs> okay, this is what Charles Irvin, there's, there's some things we are universal. Murder, okay, wrong, okay. So there's clearly, we go, yeah, that's wrong. There's some things we would all agree are, are, are right. And I think in this group, uh, I think we'd all agree uh, something like taking communion together as a church. That's a good thing. Churches, we ought to do that. Okay, so there's things way over here that are, we all go, this is good. Being kind to people. It's a good thing. Right, Dad? Okay. Be kind. I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm picking on my dad. Uh, he's going to be mean to me later. Um, so the, but Charles learned it. Some things are proved by, by all men as right. Others are universally condemned as wrong. There is, however, and if you've been around human beings long enough, you know this is true. There is, however, a third group of acts and practices, like things that we do, as to the moral quality of which opinions differ. Is that true? So... My platform here, if that's the definitely wrong. There's this. It, okay, but let's be honest. Here's one of the challenges on, in this area that he's referring to, where opinions differ. Notice, I'm not talking about whether or not any of these things are right or wrong, but there is a group of things that we have different opinions on. I think this. Now, some of those things that we have strong opinions on, are, are, are they not based in Scripture? Okay. So, so there's some strong things. So let's, let me, for the sake of this, let's focus on just where opinions differ for a moment and understand that this particular issue that these Corinthians are dealing with, when they differed, it wasn't just, well, that's my opinion. I, I genuinely think that they're going, this is, you're wrong. So within the scope of the differing opinions within this church, they were going, I think you're wrong. And this other group was going, I think you're wrong. Okay. Has that ever happened before? Yeah. So what's going to be interesting about this as we, we go into this, and I'm going to read the rest of his particular quote here as we go into this, is dealing with those things. Now he's going to go back to the topic at hand. He says, They are uh, forbidden by the conscience of one man, and by the conscience of another equally good, they are allowed. So he, he's delved into... Okay, and, and I think this is where it starts to begin. There's some things like murder. One of the reasons why we would all go, yes, that's wrong, is because it's so clear. Is it not? I mean, there, there's, no, there's no question about murder wrong. Uh, there's no question about things that are right to do. Worship God. Right. But one of the reasons, I think, why there's these opinions that differ is we start to get into this area where it's not quite as clear. Now you may be going, I think it's clear as day. 
I think you're just stupid. I mean, that, sometimes, but, but if you've got somebody over here that's going, I don't see that. I'm not seeing that at all. Where you get, I mean, that's a stretch of Scripture. If you're trying to say that means that, that means that, whew. And then even if you're saying that's, well, what about, and there's all kinds of issues. So, right, we're getting into, what do you do then when opinions differ? And our conscience then comes into play. Now, I don't want to diminish, in fact, Paul's not going to diminish conscience. I think the conscience is so, so extremely valuable. What an amazing thing the conscience is, isn't it? I always think of the conscience almost like, you know, we got these different senses like touch and taste, you know, sight, hearing. For me, the conscience is this thing. It, it detects, and I think you all know what I'm talking about. It detects when you're doing something wrong, doesn't it? Conscience starts to prick. Ooh, wait a minute. I'm feeling guilty. Now, can the conscience be wrong sometimes? Yeah. Right? You can have these fault, like, I, I feel like this is what I'm doing, but you know it's right, and there's this balance. We're going to set that idea on the back, back burner as well. That's going to come up again later. But, but let's just all readily together, okay, in this realm of the not as clear as day, there's some issues of conscience that come into play. I don't feel okay about that. In the particular issue that I, I said I used to debate about, the conscience played a role. There are some that just said they honestly, so there's this, okay, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the, the subject, contemporary Christian music, Right, so there's this music, and so somebody and we play some of it in our church, right, where it's new, updated sound, you know, similar to something you might hear elsewhere. Uh, and, and so there's some people that go, they they hear it and they just they feel like it, this can't be right. They don't have a specific. So do you see how conscience can play into it? And so there's some people that go, that, that that doesn't bother me at all. And so this is exactly what Paul's talking about. What do you do about this? Okay. Uh, they are forbidden by the conscience of one man and by the conscience of another, equally good. They are allowed. Um, he says, such in the church at Corinth was the question of eating meat, which previously had been offered in sacrifice to heathen gods. Okay? And I'll explain this a little bit more. He says, many Christians regarded idolatry as mere superstition, like we would. Okay? And knew that the meat which had been offered in heathen worship had, had contracted no moral quality. In the mind of others, however, to partake of food which had been used in idol temples involved complicitly with the idolatry and was regarded as morally wrong. So I'll get more on this in just a moment. But here's the basic idea. Say you had this temple to Apollo. Okay? And... In Apollo, you know, somebody would take their sacrifice, sacrifice to Apollo, the priest would take some, but then the rest would be brought to the market. And I think from the text here and from other places that people would have known this came from this particular spot. This is Apollo's um, market. And so to buy this lamb chop, right, this at one time. And so some people in this particular church, they were going, well, if that was offered to Apollo, I can't, I mean, that's been tainted. It's defiled me. I mean, it was offered to a god. I think you could even throw in the argument, if I pay for this meat, is it supporting the temple? What about that? Okay? Their biggest concern was, hey, maybe it's defiled. And some people are going, Apollo is nothing. It's nobody. What difference does it make? And so this is where the debate lied. Okay? 
So the phrase that they sent to Paul was, again, what? All of us possess knowledge. I think that maybe one particular side of the crowd, and so let's go in this, so let's differentiate my, my, my stage here. Does that help when I do that? Okay, so we're, we're going to differentiate here. On this side, hopefully I won't get this backwards later. On this side, so not just because good or bad. On this side, let's say on this side we've got the group that goes, I don't know about that. I mean, if it was offered to Apollo, it feels wrong to buy the meat that was offered to Apollo because of, and for them, they had been worshiping Apollo, many of them. It seems wrong. Over here, we got the, this other group going, Apollo's nobody. What difference does it make? And so we have these two sides laid out. Now, all of us possess knowledge, I think, coming from this side. Paul's first response into all of this was what? Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. This is not to diminish the importance of knowledge. Okay? Not to diminish the importance. Some have read this and gone, well, that means I shouldn't learn anything new about God. Just what I know is good enough. His knowledge puffs up. And we'd see anybody that studies too much is puffed up in their knowledge. That's not what this means. There are plenty of other passages of Scripture. Let me give you a couple. Uh, Peter, in 2 Peter 3.18, says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Earlier in that same book, Peter was talking about what he has this whole list of things that you should do. And he starts off with faith. And he says, For this very reason, make every effort, every effort, to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And he goes on through all this list of things building up to this thing. But adding every effort to add to your faith virtue and to virtue add knowledge. So not adding knowledge is important. Paul also prays this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so you can't take this knowledge puffs up and go, oh, that means Paul is anti-knowledge. There was a whole movement that dealt with that called anti-intellectualism. right? So, so hopefully none of us are in that mind frame. Like, I don't want to learn too much about God. Obviously we're to grow in it. So Paul must be speaking about something different. He goes on here and he says this, verse 2, If anyone imagines, I love this by the way, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. This reminds me of something he said earlier in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. He said, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Reminds me very much of that. There are other places where Paul says similar things. But in this particular one, he says, if you think you know something, you ever get to that point? You think you finally figured it out? I've been studying the Bible for a long time. I think I, I got this figured out. I got this part figured out. I got this part figured out. You, I'm, rise above. Paul says, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. This statement takes down those, the puffed upness. So the people that may have been, well, we all have knowledge. Paul says, you think you know something, right? Do you see what he's doing to them already? 
bringing them down a little bit. And more important than what you may or may not know is to be known by God. More important than what you may or may not know is to be known by God. Paul says this in Galatians 4.9. He says, but now that you have come to know God, and then he corrects himself, or rather to be known by God. See, being known by God is so valuable. Illustration. Forget the tortoise and the hare for a minute. Let's imagine you were actually racing a couple of turtles and a rabbit. Okay? Now forget the, I, I know you probably think, oh, that rabbit, that silly rabbit is going to fall asleep and those turtles are going, no, that's, that's dumb. If we're racing from this side of the building to the other and we put a carrot over there, that rabbit would be, beat those turtles over there like that. But can you imagine those turtles for a moment after they've taken off from the start line, right? And they're over here. The rabbit's already eaten the carrot. Turtle's sitting over here. One of them is this much further in front of the other one. Can you imagine that turtle going, looking back, you loser. I am so much further ahead than you. I think that's the idea, what Paul is saying here. I mean, our knowledge of God. So one of us, we all have knowledge. Paul's like, you're like two turtles in a right. Like, you think you know something. You don't, first of all. You're still so far. But what's more important is that God knows you. Which means you, talking about your knowledge, kind of defeats the, I mean, it shows that you're lacking in knowledge because you were focused on this to begin with. Race of turtles. Keep that in your heads. Right? When you start thinking you're better or smarter than somebody else, just imagine the turtles over there. Um, you're one of them. Verse 4 says this. Therefore, Paul says, as to eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. Notice the quotes there because we, we think that Paul's, right, this knowledge group, he actually, it seems very much like here, he's, a, he's in agreement with them to a degree. An idol, you're right. An idol has no real existence, and there is no God but one. I mean, with these thoughts of not, I mean, you, you're right. The, the, I, Apollo is nothing. There's this passage in the Old Testament I love where, I, I believe it's in Jeremiah, uh, where he talks about this man, and he takes this piece of wood, and he cuts it, and, and out of part of it, he cuts it into a bunch of little pieces, and he builds a fire to, make, to cook his food. And with the, the rest of that same piece of wood, he carves it into the shape of an idol and worships it. And it's mocking the whole concept of idolatry. I mean, it's nothing. I think this is true. Paul's agreeing with them. So you'd think, can you imagine being the first group to hear this? Thinking, oh, he's going to agree. That seemed kind of hard earlier, what he said about the knowledge thing. Like, it seemed like he was kind of putting this in our place. But this is all we're saying, Paul. Idols aren't anything. There's only one God. Apollo's not God. Paul continues on down this line of thought. He says, For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, lowercase g, lowercase l, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. We could spend a day on that, that last statement. That verse 6 is a theological statement seems to support one side indirectly, but consider for a moment what's being said. In verse 6, where do we come from? What's it say? Come on now. 
Verse 6 starts with the word, yet for us. There is one God the Father. Where do we come from? God the Father, right? From whom? So, so what do we exist for? Yeah. It's, it's interesting in this particular passage that not only do we come from God, that He's created all things, he, He's given us existence. What's also wrapped up in our very purpose? We exist for Him. And then that very last statement, through whom, we, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So even our continued existence, the fact that you're sitting here right now, breathing, who do we ultimately have to attribute that to? Christ. It's God. So this particular statement that he veers off on, you start thinking, man, it seems like he's agreeing with that group. And you may even say, this is actually the temple of Apollo. This is what's left of it. You can see a little bit the, the ground layout. There would have been columns all the way around. You can imagine these people thinking and realizing, and Paul saying, it's, he's nothing. He's nothing. But for them, this still played a huge role. For many of them, that's all they had believed for a long time. They had believed probably for their whole lives that their welfare depended on Apollo and Aphrodite and all these other gods. There were multiple shrines and temples just in Corinth that they've uncovered. I'm sure that many of these people had stories of times that they had paid homage to Apollo and then something worked out. Right? They might go, well, there can't be nothing there. Or times where they maybe had offended one of the gods and things went sour. I imagine even with some of these Christians abandoning those gods, you think that any of them were looking at where their lives had gone, like this isn't working out too good all the time, is it? And some people may be saying, oh man, I don't know if I want to fully offend these gods. These gods might be something. And so for Paul, though, he says it's not true. There is only one God. Then he shifts gears a little bit. I think this is where it starts to get important for you. However, he says, not all possess this knowledge. What knowledge? That there's just one God. That Apollo, not really a God. He's nothing. Not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. So some do not have this knowledge, and what happens? So they, they go to the market, they get the... The food, the meat offered to the idol, but it's playing on them. And this conscience being defiled, I don't think it's just that they're going, oh man, this kind of offends me. I think that what's actually happening with these people is they're going, they bought Apollo's meat. And maybe in the quietness of their thoughts, they go, and also thank you, Apollo, for this meat. Right? They're pulled back in. It's not just like, well, I don't like that, or I'm bothered that you're doing it. I think it's genuinely, they are being defiled, they're being pulled back in. Their, their conscience is weak in this area, and they could easily slip back into giving some honor to those old idols that they used to worship. And so I think they're being pulled back in. And so some, because they, they don't have that full knowledge, they don't realize that Apollo really isn't anything, for them to do this is not so good. This weak conscience. Paul clarifies. He says, food will not commend us to God. So he clarifies again. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat. No better off if we do. Okay. Now, if you've only been 
kind of with me. This is where I want you to really focus in because this right here is where it gets, to me, this is where it steps on the toes of the people that aren't expecting it. Okay? Notice what he says here. Food will not commend us to God. He says we are no, wor no worse off if we do not eat. Okay, so these people here with a weak conscience, they go, I can't do it. They're no worse off. But this other group over here that's like, it's no big deal, I can do this. You see what Paul says there? You're not really any better if you do. You see what he's saying? I know some of you are going, hmm, I don't know if I get this yet. It's okay, it's okay, we'll get there. Because this is right where some of us operate. We realize there's something. We start really studying the Scripture. We realize there's something that I was operating under the thought that it was wrong. And we recognize it. We have a word for this. We call it Christian liberty. There's things that we realize, oh, this wasn't actually wrong. It's okay. And what, what tends to happen in this group is right where that, that knowledge that puffs up, to think I'm better than the ones that aren't. Right? And you could almost make an argument for this in this passage because how did Paul describe those over here that aren't? He said they have a weak conscience. Didn't he say that? And there, there's, a, there's a lack of knowledge. But then it shifts right here. But you're, no, you're not any, really any better if you do. If you just go, oh, I can do it, so I'm going to do it. And this is what he's saying. And then he, if you're not for sure, listen to what he says next. And this goes directly against the grain of our American culture of individualism. Listen to what he says. But take care that this right of yours, what's the right? They can eat the meat, whatever meat you want. Right? You can eat it. It's not wrong. But be, take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. It's interesting to me that Paul doesn't Avoid saying it is a right. He calls it that himself. As far as we know, they haven't called it that, but he calls it that. He says, make sure that this right of yours, right, this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. I tried to the best of my ability to summarize some of this, to try to pull this together, because I know that you might be hearing this and going, I don't get it with the meat offered to idols thing. I'm not quite getting it. We're going to bring it in to try to come up with some good examples that have to do with things that maybe you've dealt with or faced. But I think that the general principle that Paul has just delved into that's going to, I think much of the rest of the book of Corinthians just unfolds this is right here. Biblical knowledge leading to genuine Christian liberties, which I think is a real thing. Okay. Biblical knowledge leading to genuine Christian liberties are to be practiced within the bounds of love for the church. So there's some things that we go, this isn't technical. I'll give you, a, I'll give you an example. Okay? And this one's going to be tough because I know that when I say this example, some of you are going to go, you're going to hear it and you're going to go, wait, no, that's in the wrong category, Matt. You're, you're messed up. Okay? Okay, so I'm going to give this example. So if, if I say it and you go, oh, wait, that's in the wrong category, some of you are going to hear it and you're going to go, I think that's in the okay category, Matt. I don't, I don't get it. Okay? it. So imagine the difficulty, because I don't know where you guys are going to land on this. So I'm going to say it, 
I also know that in saying it, just like Paul saying this to those, those Corinthians, when he said, hey, Apollo isn't anything. Those, think about those people that had the weak conscience and the lack of knowledge. For them to hear that, they, I mean, Paul is still saying they're wrong. Apollo isn't anything. It doesn't matter. The meat doesn't matter. I mean, he said that to them. Okay, you ready for the example? Oh, man, I'm so, I'm so nervous because you guys are going to go, I, I don't know where you're going to fall. I don't care. It's okay. I'm, I'm good. Uh, all right, so how about this one? Consuming alcohol. Ooh. Feel free to divide up size. Some of you are going to have to move seats. <laughs> okay. Where's this, the genuinely wrong part? Getting drunk. Here, I'm going to stand on that firmly. I believe it without a doubt. Can I say that the Bible teaches that not a drop should ever touch your lips? I can't say that. Because the Bible doesn't teach it. Some of you wish I could say it. You're like, I think you're wrong, Matt. Okay. My mother-in-law is eyeing me right now. Right? I can't say it. If it said it, I'd tell you. Okay? Oh, man, she's talking about me already. Okay? Now, this issue. But, but here's the thing. In this issue, for some, and this is going to be hard for some of you to hear, for some in this issue, the knowledge is lacking and the conscience is weak. And for some, that even broaching it pulls you not back into just, it's, to you it's not a liquid, it means something else. Just like the meat offered to the idols. Can you see that? It means something bigger than that. Biblical knowledge leading to genuine Christian liberties are to be practiced though within the bounds of this love for the church. So, so this is, Paul is addressing both sides of this because on one hand he's saying, guys, it's just meat. It's, it's not defiled because it was offered to Apollo. It's not. Apollo's nothing. There's only one God. He's, he made everything. And it's, we exist by Him. The meat exists. That statue exists by Him. His power. It's nothing. But some, the conscience is weak. For me to do this, there's a temptation. There's, some more, there's something more there. And instead of it just being me, that, that, that those years long possibly of them get paying homage to Apollo and any of these other gods, those years long, a lifetime of doing that. For them to do that, they're, they're tempted because of this weak conscience to, to step back into, um, maybe I need to do this, maybe I need to do this, maybe I need to do this to get things to work out, to get things to go the way I want. I think the same thing is true for, for many with this alcohol Topic. For some, just the smell. And it takes them to a whole other world where they were not honoring to God, but living for themselves, that idol in their heart. Because see, I think some of us, those idols, you know what the idol is for many of us? If you could pop it open and see the idol, it'd be a picture of you. I worship me, and I'm going to do what me wants. And for some, just the smell brings them back into that. So addressing both sides here, honestly, what I'm saying to both sides is this. Number one, right, over here, I'm telling you, 
There's some things that the Bible doesn't say is wrong. You're, if your conscience is weak by that, be willing, I think, first of all, to admit that's part of the, the problem, and that's okay. For me, that that's, means something more. Okay, that means something more. But I think the bigger issue here that Paul addresses is on the other side of this. What about the ones that have the knowledge that no, meat is nothing. How, what do you do with these people? Now, if they were living in America, they'd say, let's go start our own church. <laughs> hey, we all believe the same thing over here now. <laughs> right? It's true, isn't it, John? It's true. Way too true. Way too true. Right? Let's just, right? Then we don't have to deal with these people. And they can have their own church, and we're all happy because you can have your church where you think your way, and we can have our church where we think our way. And then we could even, even like in our own church, if we have some problems in our own church, we say, well, let's have two separate services that have different styles and different ways of doing things. And we don't even have to interact. We can share the building, you know. But we don't have to interact with each other. We can say hi to each other in the hall, but we don't have to compete on our differing opinions. I'm not pointing out any churches, by the way, if somebody's like, I'm, but, but is that not true in America? Do, do, you see, but do you see the real issue, the real problem that, that I think Paul is addressing? The real problem is that this individual, like, if, if I disagree, if the opinion differs, I'm going to go my own way. And what does Paul do instead? He says, no, he, well, oh my goodness, I just lost my place in my notes. You should have seen my screen. It just went like that. Lost my mind. Um, oh, there we go. Okay. <clears throat> this biblical knowledge that we gain, though, even if you're, I mean, you're right. What do you do? This biblical knowledge ought to be practiced within the bounds of this, this sphere of love. So when this, the opinion differs, the number one goal is not you need to grow up and get a better conscience. Goes love. Now, I want to go a little bit further to see how far Paul takes this concept. For some of you, it's going to be pretty far. And I know that, see, I should have got my cards out again because there's some questions that might put, well, how far do you take? What, what about this issue? What about this issue? We can talk about those things Wednesday night. Capture the idea. He says, for if anyone sees, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will he not be encouraged? So this other guy here, right? He sees you over here eating in the, right? Oh, man. Good lamb chop. Best quality at Apollo's, <laughs> right? They always make a good lamb chop sandwich, right? So you're over here. They see you doing this. Would they, would they not be encouraged in their weak conscience, if, if his conscience would be to eat food? So good, well, if he's doing it, I'm going to do it. And so by your knowledge, this weak person, what does Paul say right there, is what? Destroyed. See, because for them, it's, it's bigger than that. Maybe they had a hard, hard time breaking free of that Apollo life. Now, you can fill in that word Apollo with whatever other thing you might say. And they've had a hard time, and they see you indulging in this Christian liberty, which Paul has not said is wrong, but the mind in this biblical knowledge ought to be operating with the scope of, of not just, 
What can I do? I'm free to do this. I'm free to do this. It, it needs to be brought in that. Like, what about my brothers and sisters in Christ? What, what can we do? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped something there. Um, for if anyone sees you have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, he, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died, he takes up another step. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, who do you really sin against? You sin against Christ. Therefore, food makes my brother stumble. I will become a vegetarian. Now, I don't know Paul personally. I have a feeling that some of this was, I think that probably when they heard this, they go, Paul? I imagine Paul was probably, a, I mean, he, maybe, maybe I'm just putting myself into the picture, but man, I mean, to become a vegetarian, I, I could become a meditarian. You say, well, how far do we take this? What does Paul say? He says, for the love of my brothers and sisters in Christ, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the church, I, Paul goes, I, I'd become a vegetarian if I had to, out of my love. Let me restate my earlier phrase. Biblical knowledge leading to genuine Christian liberties displayed in our personal individualism, our likes, our dislikes, our tastes, our enjoyments, all these sorts of things, ought to take a back seat. Okay, so this personal individualism ought to take a back seat to our corporate. Now, what that means, corporate, we're a body. Look around, right? I think beyond just those in this building, brothers and sisters in Christ, trust our community, Okay. Our personal individualism, our likes and dislikes, takes a back seat to this. All of us. I think that's right at the core of what Paul's saying. The big issue is not whether or not the meat is bad or good. The bigger thing for the Corinthians that Paul honed in on was your rights aren't nearly as important as the rights of the whole body. Your individual rights not as important as the rights of this body. This body. Christ died for the church. I want to share a quote and then I'm going to close in prayer. Because when you go, start to go down this path, there's little... There's little, I'm going to describe it the exact same way this quote is going to describe it. There's this little bit of anxiety that pops up in my head. Because when I, when I think about this, I think, so I'm going to have to submit myself to all the weak consciences of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I start to get a little antsy. Because let's be honest. There's some crazies. Okay? No offense. 
There's some crazy, there's some, right? How, but what about those? What, what about things that are just, not just not quite right, but there's, see, there's other, what about that? I mean, you know what jumps in my head? I mean, Jesus, Jesus didn't go along with the Pharisees when they said, don't pick the corn on the Sabbath. You remember that? The wheat kernels? He did it anyway. And so my mind started going, well, what about that? I'm, I'm actually arguing with myself in my head already. Well, what about that? But, but, but let's set that over here. Bigger thing here. There, there's still a principle. Love for this, this group. Corporately. Not just individually. Stephen Newham, I think, nailed it. He said this. If nervousness sets in when an individual thinks about freedoms that he or she might need to give up for the common good... You see, where, you see what he's saying here? If, if nervousness sets in when an individual starts to think about freedoms that he or she might need to give up for the common good, that is a clear indication that they are enslaved to their entitlements. I read that and I went, man, Stephen Oom nailed it again. When nervousness starts to set in, you go, and, and that's exactly what I did. I'm, I, I'm telling you, this is me. Maybe none of you are you guys, I don't mind. I'll give up anything because I love these people. I mean, that, maybe that's you. Me, I love you, but there's things I go, man, I don't care about that. That's the big deal. And so I, I, I read this. I studied this this week, and I went, I started getting nervous. I'm like, man, I want to I throw in at the end of this sermon the, the, the Jesus thing with the corn, picking the kernels and him offending the Pharisees because, man, I'm all about that. And God said, no, Matt, What's the focus here? Love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Paul focuses on. Love. Knowledge puffs up. Love. What does love do? Love is going to build up. Love. So this knowledge operating within this bubble of love. So this knowledge takes me out of being loving. Then I'm misusing the knowledge. Think of knowledge for a moment like electricity. I think electricity is great. I think uh, when I'm at my house and I'm operating all of my stuff, I think I need plenty of electricity. The more, the better. Right? And it's a sad day when it goes out. And all of us tech-dependent people are going, what do we do? We can't see. We don't know how to. Right? Electricity, great. But is not electricity, and if you don't know, talk to my dad. He'll tell you. Is not electricity... Also potentially dangerous. I think that's the best visual I can give you for this thing, knowledge. Get lots of it. Powered up. But no, it could kill you. That's what knowledge is. So Paul says knowledge can puff up, but what does love do? Love does something different. Love, love insulates it, Right? Down those conduits, conduits, transformers. I don't know. I'm trying to think of things my dad said. Right? Power line, right? It focuses in, takes that power that could kill you right outright. Love does that same thing, and it, it bounds and bundles that knowledge up in a way that the end result is being a church that is built up. Church is built up. Sadly, this doesn't happen this way. When opinions differ, like I said earlier, what happens so often in our churches today, I'll find a different group of people. 
And I want to tell you right now, don't give yourself that option. Don't start throwing at me, well, what about false teaching? What about this? What about? We can talk about all those things, but general, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we've got to love each other and build each other up. And if our knowledge is detrimental to others, you've got to be willing to become a vegetarian. That's what Paul said, for the sake of the body. Let's pray.